It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. In the Bible, in the book of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 29 through 31, New Living Translation, you'll find these words. The Bible says, what is the price of two sparrows? One cup of corn, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. Somebody say, God knows everything. And look what he said. He says, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. He know you too. Know a lot more about you than you know about yourself. So he says, don't be afraid. You are more valuable. Somebody say more valuable. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Amen? You may be seated. You may be seated. This is going to be a second sermon in a little series we've entitled, I'm Valuable. You know, and uh, we want you to understand that because God has declared that we are valuable, we need to see ourselves like God feels. Amen? And now, I want to define valuable for you just briefly. It says something or someone that is of great worth. Somebody say great worth. Extremely useful or important. And the third definition is to be highly regarded, precious, prized, esteemed, or distinguished. Now, today we're going to spend a little bit of time showing you that even though God holds us in high esteem, there are certain things that we can do that put us in a lowly regarded place. And God can see us in a small way. But because he sees like that, it is not where he intended us to be, for us to be. And so last week we mentioned that, you know, that, that, that when an individual was asking an art professor about how do you assign or assess value to a piece of art, he said one of the most important things was who is the creator of the work? And then not only that, what is a person who knows something about art, something that's someone who's really knowledgeable, how much are they willing to pay for that work? And, and we found out that last week that we're valuable because God created mankind in his own image. And he placed us as the crown jewel at the pinnacle of his creation. Therefore, he gave us authority over all of his other creation. And because we are created in his image, we have the intelligence and the mindset of God. We have God gave us our own will where we can make up our own decisions. And so we have a lot more going for us than the animal. Amen? And so therefore, because of that, we will create just a little lower than himself. But today, I want to begin with just a brief word of caution that although we are valuable to God, when we willingly disrespect and disobey him, we tarnish that image. And, and, and when that image is tarnished, it's just like a piece of jewelry that is tarnished. It's still gold. It's still silver. It's still platinum, whatever it is. It's just tarnished. 
And see, once things get tarnished, they must be restored. And so what we got to understand is that we got to tell people that, hey, you are valuable to God, but it's important that you don't do things to tarnish your image. Amen. And so we're going to see here from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 29 and 30, and I'll set this up. But Samuel was the high priest. Not Samuel, but Eli was the high priest. I'm sorry. And Eli had two sons, and they were priests also. But his sons were wicked, evil. In other words, when the people brought their offering to God, the sons would take the best part of the offering and keep it for themselves. In other words, they was taking what belonged to God and keeping it for themselves even before they offered it up to the people, to God for the people. And so in other words, they were just kind of like stealing something that belonged to God. And, and on top of that, these boys were, ain't no easy way to say it, they were sleeping with the women that served at the temple. And while they were doing that, their father did not correct them. And so when God comes on the scene, send a man of God to the father and let him know it was your responsibility to correct your son. But because you're a gentle and kinder and loving father, maybe, but that may not be loving if you're allowing them to do some things that's going to go against God. And sometimes, men, you got to take responsible for co- women, if you're in that role, of correcting your children. You, you can't be so cozy with them that your roles get crossed up and they become your best friend instead of your child. And ain't nothing wrong with them being your friend, but every now and then, Pee Wee, you got to cook. God put you in their life to serve a purpose, to correct them, and to make sure they grow up in the right way. But when you fail to do that, then your children living under your roof can disrespect God in your So look at this in verse 29. And I'm going to read this from what is called the, the, uh, the basic Bible and English version of the Bible. It's uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, 29 and 30. It says, this is what the man of God said to the high priest. He says, why then are you looking with envy on the offering of meat and of meal, which is offered, ordered by my word, honoring your sons before me and making yourselves fat with all the best of the offering of Israel, my people. He's saying, now you in charge, and why are you violating? The law allows you guys to take so much. I, I, I accounted for your needs by telling you, you can get yours. But the bottom line is you're not supposed to get yours before I get. And so you're taking the best that the people are bringing, and your boys are doing this, and then now you're dishonoring the word that was put in place for you. And when you dishonor God's word, you dishonor Y'all fill in the blame. He says, for this reason, the Lord God of Israel has said, truly, 
I did say that your family and your father's people would have their place before me forever. But now, somebody say, but now. God can't have a slight change of heart. Because that but now, I'm about to change something that I said was going to be for. But now the Lord says, let it not be so. I will give honor to those who I am, by whom I am honored. And to those who have no respect for me will be of small value in my eyes. Now look at I thought it was neat that, that, that God didn't just took, totally cut us off. He just said you weren't going to be highly regarded, but he didn't say you was never going to be regarded again. He just said instead of you being highly valuable because of the tarnishness that's coming in your life, then now you're going to be of... See, it's time for some of us to let people know you can't live your best life in a small life as far as God is concerned. If you want your best life, you got to live your life in accordance with what God has prescribed for you. Because if you don't, then you're going to be living in a... And be of small value to God. And I don't believe anyone sitting here today want to be of small value. Somebody say small value. And so God made it clear that, you know, I didn't have time to do the whole thing on Eli and his son, but it didn't end well. Because they didn't learn from their mistakes. It's one thing for us to make mistakes, but it's another thing for us to learn from those mistakes. God knows you're going to make mistakes. He knows we're going to err from time to time. And he knows that we're going to do things that can tarnish this image that represent him. But we got to know how to tell him we're sorry and get it right. Amen? Now, go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'm going to look at this real quick, too, because I don't want to spend much time here today. But in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6 and 7, the Lord was sending Samuel to replace King Saul. And he sent Samuel to Jesse's house to select the next king. Jesse had about eight sons and figured he'd go out there and find a new king. But the point that I want you to get out of this passage is that outward appearance does not always reveal true value. See, sometimes we value people based on how they look on our And when you do that, it's easy for you to make a mistake. Now, those of you who are in relationships and all that young people, I'm talking primarily young people, you know, attraction does play a part in it. Physical attraction does play a part. But that ought to be about 10%. That shouldn't be 90%. You know, you just looked at it and people, she just fine. And all of a sudden you figure, the one, the only one. Don't know nothing about her heart, lady. Don't know nothing about his heart. He just looked good. And all of a sudden, now you're going to make a decision that's going to impact you the rest of your life based upon one look. You know, somebody wrote a song, Wayne, that says, beauty is only. And I went back and read the lyrics to that song. They was on point. You can dress it up, but once you take the makeup off, On the skin. 
And so what we're going to see here is that the significant point is that even the man of God can miss it sometimes. Now Samuel was a good prophet. He wasn't one of the bad guys. He was a good guy. Brought up, raised in the temple. But when it came time to choose a king, he missed God. And so what I'm trying to get you to see is that you're not a prophet. And every now and then you're going to miss God. But when you do, you got to have a heart that's willing to accept correction and get back in place with, with God. So look at this. I'm in verse 6 and 7. He says, when they arrived, talking about his son, minus David, Samuel took one look. Somebody said one look. <laughs> one look. You ain't looked up but one time. And that was online. One look. One look. And now, and now you're going to tell God that's your wife. One look. One look. Man, anything of value is worth a second. I mean, you got to do more than look at the outward person, but you got to get a chance to look at the heart. Because in the heart is going to reveal the true nature of the person. So here's the prophet. He took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointing. Good God Almighty. He done got way out in front of God. You know, sometimes you can do the same thing too. You know, you just take one look at something and then all of a sudden make God agree with you instead of you agreeing with You get way out. But when you get way out in front of God, don't let pride keep you out there. Know how to turn around and come back to. He didn't go nowhere. You went. And so when you get out of place in where you don't belong, you got to have sense enough to know, hey, I need to reverse my course and get back in line with God. Even the prophet realized this. So he said, now that was God's anointing. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance, appearance or height. I, for I have rejected him. Somebody said rejected him. You know, if God done rejected him, you better not take him. <laughs> I know it. I know it. But if God done showed you that he ain't the one or she ain't the one, and you just going to make them the one, Because you judged by appearance and how tall he was. See, the prophet should have understood beforehand because that's how the people chose the first king. They saw how tall Saul was and how fine he was and how good he looked. And they said, that must be the king. And at that time, God didn't even want them to have a king. But because they wanted one, they had will, he gave them the king. But that king got fired. So well, sometimes I'm trying to tell you, just because a person got good looks and tall and all that, don't mean they can keep the job forever. I'm talking about when you say I do, to death do us part. Before you make that decision, you got to do that on more than just a appearance. Look at this. He says, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. P 
people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And it's easy for us to be deceived by the outward appearance because all of us can dress up and make up the outer appearance. But sooner or later, you got to study people long enough to learn where their heart is. And when their heart don't line up with God's heart and the things that God would have for you, you got to be wise enough to make a decision in agreement with God and not in agreement with you and your eyes. Amen. Because our eyes can sometimes... Job understood that when he said, Lord, I got to make a covenant with my eyes. Because if I don't make a covenant, a lot of things that enter into my body enter through my So be careful when you're about to make a decision that's going to impact the rest of your life. Use more than just a physical eye test. Amen? Go a little deeper and see what spirit is behind that person that you're about to select for whatever it is you're selecting them from. Amen? If we do that work up front, then it'll save us a lot of trouble on the back end. Amen? Especially when it comes to the area of marriage because once you do it in marriage, God is expecting you to keep that commitment for life. Uh, let me move on. Marriage wasn't supposed to be my topic today, but go to Luke chapter 15 real quick and wait. I'm going to be here for the rest of the time. Here in chapter 15, this is the chapter of the three parables. Jesus used some natural stories to reveal some spiritual truth. And we talk about the parable of, you know, the lost sheep, the lost corn, and the lost son. You know, we understand that, you know, sometimes, you know, with sheep, you know, sheep can be careless, you know. Sheep can be, you know, just kind of wander off and do some things. Sometimes, you know, they just haul off and do stuff without even thinking. But even in the midst of that, God still loves them. And then, you know, sometimes a corn, you know, it ain't on the corn when the corn gets lost. Because the corn can't move. It's up to the owner of the corn. And maybe that owner was negligent in taking care of something that is valuable. Then we look at the sun. We had an animal, an object, and now we got a human. And guess what? The human made up his own mind. And when he made up his mind, God did not go against his will. And so Jesus having this dialogue with the religious leaders. And they was really frowning on him because he was hanging out with some bad folk. Somebody say bad folk. Just get a little southern with me. Just some bad. Let me read this for y'all in Luke chapter 15, verse 1 through 7. I'll start with them going to 20, though, but we're going to get there. He says, verse 1 says, tax collectors. Somebody say tax collectors. They were Jews who worked for the Romans, but the Jews didn't like them because they used to cheat the Jews, mistreat their own people, but they was working for the Romans. They were thieves, too. 
And so therefore, they hated and they looked down on tax collectors. That was like a job that somebody may look down on you now if you're doing certain jobs. Somebody that's, you know, you know. See, some of us look down on a young lady who's trying to make it through college dancing on the pole. Did I shock anybody right there? Because I figure if I said something else, y'all may not understand where I'm coming from. But, but I figure I better make it real and keep it where you can understand it. See, some of y'all would look down on that. You know, girl just trying to make her way through college. And, and if Jesus was to stop by while she dancing, some of y'all have problems with it. Could be a young man trying to make his way through college way, and I don't know. He want to, you know, he want to be a Chippendale. <laughs> you know? But he's trying to make his way through. And, and because of that, you will look at that person. That's, maybe that's a notorious sinner. Not just a sinner, but the Bible here says he met with tax collectors and other notorious. Like the notorious B.I. I guess that let me know that he was a bad boy. He called himself no. And so what I'm trying to tell you, now don't, don't be too hard on him. It's because for Jesus, some of you all were. Some of y'all were some, y'all were some bad people. And some people thought they'd never see you sitting where you're sitting at right now because you were just notorious. But, but somebody had enough sense to kind of come and talk to you when someone told them you ain't even worth the conversation. Notorious. See, it's easy to come here self-righteous on Sunday morning when you're already saved, but you got to go back and look before Jesus. Some of you just know. I ain't going to get into how notorious you was as a sinner, but the word got an S on it. So probably, you know, maybe you were just a petty sinner, one or two crying, but some of y'all had long, 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 a lot of stuff had to be expunged out of your life because you would just know. And when somebody saw people witnessing to you to try to get you to come to Jesus, somebody said, you ought to just leave them up. Lisa, leave me. Lisa, let me get through. I know I'm going to have some problems right here. But let me, let me see here. He said, now look. He was with tax collectors and other notorious sinners. They often came to listen. You got some folk who know him won't listen to him. And then we're trying to stop people who need to listen to him from listening to him. And these were the religious, self-righteous people. They should have been listening because they should have understood what he was talking about. But because they didn't accept what he was saying, they got offended when anybody else would sit down and listen. Don't you be like these Pharisees and scribes. And look at this. He said, now look, this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people. And not only that, Lisa... He went to Olive Garden with him. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's one thing to meet him out in the church parking lot, Brother Rob, but now he done had the nerve to go sit down and, don't they know that? That's Reverend Daniels over there. Who is that? Look, 
you see who's sitting at that table, Reverend Daniel? And then now someone's going to think, Reverend Daniels must be guilty by associate. And not realizing that Reverend Daniel was there to try to save a soul, not to do what that lost soul was doing. And there's nothing wrong with you going where the lost is as long as you're not going there to lower your moral values. You can go amongst them and be amongst them and, and be right there with them. But look here, don't lose who you are in the Lord. Because when you lose your identity to the lost, then you become part of the... So he had the nerve to be eating with them. Somebody, you know, that, that's some self-righteous people in striving probably. And, and we ought to just upset them by just going to dinner with somebody that they, you know, they ain't gonna have, they're going to have a problem with that. They see me, ooh, they're going to have. But long as you are valuing that person like God value them, he's not going to have any problem with you even though man may have a problem with you. Amen. So because of that, you know, Jesus taught me this lesson. Sometimes you've got to teach tough stuff. It's easy to tell stories. People can accept stories and olive gardens versus me hitting them across the head, you know, with the word too hard. Because all y'all done been to olive gardens. And some we, we went to Olive Garden when we was the lost soul. Amen. <laughs> and so therefore, we got to see and understand that when Jesus go through this list to make these points to these Pharisees and religious leaders, that's a powerful message here that we got to get. So he told them this story because sometimes little stories can take the edge off. When you come at them religious leaders too hard, you know, they, they want to come back at you hard. Sometimes when you're dealing with people who got an edge on, you got to take it off. Let me give you this lesson for you married folk. Sometimes when you're trying to confront your husband or your wife, you got to take the edge off the conversation. Tell them a little fishing story, child. You know he likes to fish, so don't go in there and hit him across the head with the hammer. Talk about catching. You know he's wrong. But you got to let him feel where you're coming from. You know, you know how you feel when you got that big bass on the line and you've been tight, tussling with him and fighting with him and you get him right there and get the net up under him and that rascal jump back in the water. How does that make you feel? Man, you know, that make me, I just be ready to die. Well, that's how you make me feel when you don't keep your word. That's better than coming at it. You know you are sorry, no good, lying rascal. You, you, you don't never tell me that you don't know. Tell him that. You know he likes football? Give him a football story. Give me a football story. I can't talk about Alabama because they won last night. I guess they won. I went to sleep. I guess they won. They won. Is, is that right? So, so the point is I'm trying to... So what I'm trying to get you to see is that Jesus was wise enough to understand his audience and know how to give a story that they could relate to. And that's what we got to do when we're talking to people and we're trying to convince people that they need the Lord. Sometimes we got to talk to them in a way that they can relate to. Whether they're for us or against us, you still got to be able to relate to people when you're communicating with them. So look at it. He says, 
tell him a story about the, the sheep. He said, if a man had a hundred sheep and one of them got lost, somebody said lost. Lost, lost just means he got out of place. You know, sometimes when you meet people that don't know the Lord, they still a part of God's creation. They just out of, and it's our job to tell them what they need to do to get back in, in place because God never intended for them to be out of place. He says, what will he do? And most people know. Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search? Somebody say search. Some people you just got to go out and find. Amen. Because sometimes they get curious out there, and like sheep can be sometimes also curious. Curiosity got a lot of people placed in place that they should not be. And so therefore, when they get curious about certain things, and they're trying these new things that everybody's throwing their face, sometimes you just got to go find them. You ain't seen your brother in two months, and you know he locked up in a computer room somewhere, you got to go. Because there's a good possibility he done got curious out there on that website. And curiosity has caused him to pull away from some of the things that God has placed in his heart, and it now is up to you to take some time to go and look for them. Why? Because the 99 are valuable too, but they ain't in trouble. But the one that's out there, curious, that one is in trouble, and somebody needs to know how to go and look for them, because while they're in trouble, they ain't going to look for you. There's some people that because of COVID, you just got to go look for them. I, I don't care if they come back here, but just find out they're okay. You just want to know, are you still in the fold? Do you still identify with Christians? Do you still identify with the things you identified with before COVID? Because there are some people that while they're in that lost state, they have lost their identity and they no longer identify with the, what you believe in now. And sometimes we just got to go and look for him. He said he'll go search for the one lost one to find it. And when he has found it, he will joyfully, somebody say joyfully, joyfully carry it home on his shoulder. In other words, you know, sheep don't take too liking the physical punishment. You know, you just don't, you don't beat sheep. You nurture and care for sheep. Cows, you have whips. Because, you know, don't the roar hide? Get back in line. What did I do for a cow? See, God didn't call us cows. Call us sheep. We don't take too like enough whips. Amen. And so therefore, knowing that there's a certain way and a certain mindset you got to have when you're dealing with sheep. And sometimes we miss it. We forget that we're dealing with sheep and think we're dealing with a cow. And when you start dealing with a sheep like they're a cow, they ain't coming back home. Oh, that wasn't in my notes. Let me just read on. Let me see. So he's going to carry him home on his shoulder, not drag him behind him, go pick him. You've been gone too long. You're tired. You need some help. You, you need for me to assist you in getting back to the place that you belong. I realize, and the Lord didn't show me that you're out of place, and you're not going to get back there on your own because you're still wondering, but you need some assistance, and I'm here to help you, not to beat you. 
You know you're out of place. You know what you're doing is wrong. I'm not here to remind you of that. I'm here to remind you that you still got and the Lord sent me to talk to you because you are say when he arrives home he will call together his friends and neighbors saying rejoice somebody say rejoice anytime something is lost that is found then there's a cause for celebration there's a cause for rejoicing he says rejoice with me for I have found my lost sheep in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner not a thousand good to get a thousand saved but you just start with your one one sinner who repent and return to God than over the 99 others who are righteous and have not strayed. You know, we spend too much time on folk who already go to church. Already singing in the choir, Wayne. Already on the praise team. Already ushered. Already got, and we spend all that time trying to minister to them, and they're already in the fold. When there's a sheep out there that's lost and got your name on it, and all you need to do is go and show them some love and compassion. And guess what? You can bring them into the fold too. But we can't do it if all we hang around is ourselves. And people like us, think like us, go to church like us. You got to go out and find the lost. They ain't going to just wander off up in here. Unless we got them something that tight. They'll come on a meal day, get a food, plate and all that. But no, but that, the average lost going to walk right by. It takes people to reach people. And God is calling us to be those type of people that we will see the value in a lost person that we will go out of our way to bring them back where they belong. Because all we know is that person is out of place. Verse 8 to 10 says this about the lost coin. It says, I suppose a woman have ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweeps the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? Light a light, a lamp, because you got to drive out some darkness. You can't find the loss if you don't carry your light. You go and walk in where the darkness is, and you ain't shining. If you're going to find them, you got to walk in shining so you can see what you're looking for. But if you walk in blending in, ain't nobody going to feel you like me. You look like me, you talk like me, you act like me. You're just a part of who I am and you just don't know it. But no, you got to walk in with light because light causes darkness to move. She swept. That means she cleaned up an area by brushing dirt and littered stuff away. When you see, sometimes people are so lost, we got to sweep up some stuff in their life and say, this don't belong here. If I can get this out of your life, I can help you find who you really are. But long as all this is on top of you, in your mind, in your heart, in you, you are never going to see your true value because you're too cluttered. You got too much stuff going on. Sooner or later, you got to download some of all that stuff so you can see who you really are in accordance with the Word of God. But now we're processing every little thing to come at us and all over the place, and we get so cluttered up that we get lost in who we really are in the Lord. And when someone looks for us, they got to first be, got to get some stuff out of your life, got to search diligently. And you know, sometimes 
when some people, you know, search that hard for certain things. Here, it may have been because of the monetary value. But on the other side of that, it could have also been for sentimental. Because this was part of a wedding gift. And it's almost latest. I can imagine losing a little pinky ring that didn't call for $9.99 versus losing your wedding band or your wedding ring. It's a different sense of loss. So, Robin, if you lost your wedding band, you've been looking at that thing for 40-some-plus years and know what Brother Herb went through to get you that thing, and all of a sudden you just misplaced it. You know, it, it ain't the rain fault. You took it all and forgot where you put it. Now, you can say, well, hey, it don't matter. I just look at the ring on my finger. It done left an imprint after 40 some years. It don't matter. But no, there's some sentimental value there. Brother Herb came like this. He worked diligently and hard to get the ring. And all of a sudden, now I'm going to lose it and act like I ain't going to even search for it? I dare not go to the brother and say, man, I done lost the ring, but, you know, I ain't take time to look for it. You just need to go and buy me another ring. No. No, no, we, we need to tear the house up. <laughs> we need to turn some stuff over. We, it's in here somewhere. It didn't get up and walk. We know that. It ain't a sheep. It got to be in here somewhere. And sometimes we go out and get something new when what we are looking for is already in the... It didn't go nowhere. But you feel like I got to go out and <laughs> you just need to start cleaning away some of the clutter and find what's already in your house. Now y'all can interpret that however you want to. But you know certain things do have sentimental value. I wear jewelry around my neck. I'm not a jewelry guy. I only wear this jewelry because this is Lady Jeanette's jewelry. And every time I put it on, I think about her. In fact, I very rarely take a poem. Because it's that type jewelry. You know, so shower don't mess it up. It's, it still shine. Me working out with it on, it still, because I ain't going to take no chance of putting it down. And you know, when you start getting old, you forget where you put stuff. And I, because that started to worry me, because you get old, you forget stuff. And the doctor let us know that, hey, the fact that you done forgot where you put it, it's not that big a deal. Anybody can forget where they put something. The fact that you don't know it's a chain and who it belongs to, that's a problem. So I don't take it because it has sentimental. And see, sometimes you got to value people that's close to you. Because of the memories that you have when y'all was growing up together, when y'all was hanging out together, what they meant to you. They may not be able to give you nothing monetary for what you can do for them, but you got to see them as valuable because of the sentimental value. And they worth looking for because they are valuable to God. Look at and when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice again, celebration, after you get someone found, celebration, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there will be joy in the presence of God when the angels in heaven rejoice even over one sinner who repents. One sinner, when one sinner repents, heaven rejoices. Now, the last one, let me deal with in a short way, pretty long, but I'm going to try to get through this real quick. The parable of the lost son. Now, what I want you to see in this with the lost son this boy exercised 
his own will. The sheep wasn't created in God's image, so he wandered off. The corn was just an object, but the sun was created in God's image. And he made a choice to leave the presence of his father, all because he probably was unhappy with the way dad was running things. You know, sometimes when children get unhappy with the way you're running things around your house, they start talking, I'm gonna, I want to leave talk. I want to leave. I want to leave. I can't wait till I get 18. I just want to leave. They just don't know. That's that youthful dumbness talking. They just don't know. They don't know that the world is not fair and they're not kind. Your house is a lot better place. But they just, some of them just got the experience. There's always going to be one child like the, you know, like big brother that's going to stay around mom and dad. But there's going to be one that's going to tell you, I can't wait. When, when, I, when I get that age, see you. And that's the one you got to say. Now, when he hit the bottom, you're going to have to have your heart ready so that you don't say, you know, I told, I told you before you left here. Now you're going to come back. I, I told you. No, no. That, that's, the, that's the wrong attitude. Yeah, you did tell him, but he left anyway. You, you tell him he left anyway. So now it's not the time to remember something he did 10 years ago. It's time for you to say, okay, he done learned his lesson. And because he's learned his lesson, I got to be here for him because sometimes they're going to learn their lessons the hard. Those of you who are sending, getting ready to send children off to college, you know, after being on the college campus yesterday, I had some flashbacks. You know, some of them kids is up there wilding out on their mom and dad of money. Not when judging them, I can just tell. I, they, they, they are living their best life on somebody else's dime. Especially if they ain't got no scholarship. And ain't nothing wrong with that because that's learning experiences. But at the same time, if they left home in the wrong way and didn't listen and learn some lessons while they were at home, a college campus is not the place to learn some valuable lessons about life. Let me read this. He says in verse 11, to illustrate his point further, Jesus told this story. A man had two sons. Somebody say two sons. Two sons, the older one and the young one. So he says, now the younger one, the younger son told his father. Now you know you're wrong when you go to your dad and tell him what you want to do. Instead of, you know, negotiating and asking. He told his father, I won't. I won't. This is all about me. Not about you. Not what you did for me for 18 years. I want to hear that now. That was your responsibility. You're supposed to do that. But I won't. I want out of here. And you know, if you may have been well enough off to have some form, I know in, in, my, in, my, in my hood, I would have been crazy after my dad for, you know, what was his, thinking that it was going to be mine one day, saying, while you living, give it to me now so I can go and do what I want. He would have said, you just going to leave. You ain't getting what I got. So you can leave. <laughs> You can leave. You, you, you're free to leave. You're old enough. Go ahead. Uh-huh. But you ain't getting what I got. So I, that's why I guess our father wasn't God. See, because, because, because we probably, the kid would have left home with nothing. But he let the boy live. Now look at this. He let him live. He says, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Now that was disrespectful. It's almost like saying, man, I'm, you, you know, you're getting about ready to croak over, so go and get my stuff. And leave me Wayne. And you know, instead of the Father being rude, 
He said, so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. So the big boy got two-thirds of what he had, and the younger boy got one-third. And the Bible says a few days later, the younger son packed up all his belongings. A few days later. You know, when somebody make a move that quick, they ain't just started thinking about it. They've been thinking about it. You're just not getting the revelation. When your children get to that point where they're about to make a move, you better start studying them before they get to that point because they're already thinking about it. And they done showed you some signs that they're thinking of. But because you are so naive, oh, no, no, no. And then one day they walk in and say, this is what I'm going to do. Now you got to act surprised. No, you better study your children. You're raising them. You better take responsibility for them. Amen. So now look. He took, packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. He was wild enough. They call that prodigal living, because he was living wasteful. You know, at the end of the story, say, you know, he was partying and sleeping with prostitutes. That's a good way to lose all you got. But they're going to cost you. Don't y'all get too holy on me right now. This is a story. This is a story, so don't y'all just stay with me. So he said, now, now you got to get this picture. The boy leave home in this, in this, in this moment of arrogance, and, and he disrespected his daddy. He made a choice. And while he was gone, he didn't realize that with freedom comes responsibility. Dad ain't here to tell you what to do now, how to budget, how to manage your money. You got to figure this thing out on your own. And now while you out here, you know your friends taking from you, you're sleeping around, and then all of a sudden, ain't nothing coming in, but everything is going. That's a lesson in house management 101. When you got more going out than you got coming in, you better do a check on yourself. You can't live the rest of your life with more money than you got money. I mean, it's two more weeks to the end of the month, and you already broke. I ain't talking to nobody here today that's driving. I'm just talk, trying to help somebody online who just don't know. You know, you got to be a good steward of what God gives you. And so, therefore, when you're a good steward of God, what God giving you, sometimes you got to cut the wild things out that you're paying for that ain't got no benefit for you so that you can have some money when you need it to eat. Man, tell your children when they leave home, always keep you some money to buy you something to eat. Don't sell your soul for some crumbs. Don't get so hungry that you'll do anything to get a meal. Because some people don't stop at washing dishes, Wayne. Well, let me leave it on. Now look at this. So he was out having a good time on his daddy's money. And normally, that would be looked down upon when you disgrace your father like that by taking this inheritance, then you go out and waste it. So, you know, normally you have no desire to ever go back home because, you know, everybody's going to look at you like crazy if you come back home. Don't talk about you. Maybe the law would allow them to even stone you. If you don't disgrace your daddy like that, took his inheritance and what he had for you, and you go out and squander it, living crazy, sleeping around, then now you got to come back home. Man, the, the community is going to be waiting on you. Look at this, though. 
But I thank God for a loving father. He said, now look, verse 14, about this time, about the time, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. And he pursued, persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. Somebody say pigs. Now that was a disgrace for a Jew to be feeding pigs. Because pigs were considered unclean animals. And, and, and if any of you have been on a farm and seen pigs, you know why. You know, when I was a little boy, you know, we used to say pigs eat anything. You know, you just finish up this, don't finish up that, throw a watermelon around that, throw a can in there. Anything you throw in the pen, the pig going to try to eat it. So can you get the picture now? Here's a Jewish boy who had been taught all of his life that pigs are unclean. And now because of his foolishness, he got to end up in a pig pen. Sometimes the pig pen of life can teach people some lessons that they won't learn at home. You hate to see them get there because as long as they're living, there's a way out of the pig pen. But the sad thing is that some people going to die in the pig pen. And if you know someone who's out of place and found themselves in a pig pen, it's up to you to try to reach out to them. But here in this story, it was the father's love and kindness that was at his house that caused the boy to think back to his better days. So in the other two parables, people search for. In this parable, the father didn't go looking for the boy. He just watched for him because he knew in his heart of hearts that he was going to come back home. And so now he's out there living with pigs. And while he was out there living with pigs, the Bible lets us know that he came to his sense. So look at this. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. Now, that, you got to get that picture. I, that, when I read that, I just stopped right there and reflect back when I used to go down to my grandmom and them house in the country and saw what the pig pen looked like. I couldn't imagine wanting to ever eat what the pigs eat. But I ain't never been that hungry before. So I can't say what you won't do. You know, when you ain't never been that. You know, I said I'd never eat a snail. You know, but I ain't never been that. And, and, and so what I'm trying to tell you, until you get there, you don't know what you would do in the time when you try to survive. But if we do what God wants us to do, I pray that we never get, or we don't know anyone who ever get to this place in their life, that he will felt better eating what the pigs eat. But look at this. But no one gave him, he was neglected and considered insignificant. In other words, he was a small value to the people that he was living among. And because they didn't place no value on him, they didn't have no problem with him living with the When you don't place any value on people that God has placed in your life, then you're doing the same thing. You're saying that you don't care if they live with the pigs. And even if they die in the pig pen. And God done placed them in your heart, in your spirit. And you're supposed to be a spirit being that is led by the Holy Spirit. And he done placed them in your heart. 
and you don't have the courage to reach out to them while they're in the pig pen. Why? Because you don't want to smell like pigs. But that's okay. You know you're in a pig. You know who you are. You know who you are in the Lord. So you going there is not going to tarnish who you are because you ain't lost. But the person who's lost is already tarnished and they need you to show up with your light to help them out of that situation. Some of us got relatives that we know that's in a pig pen. And you got their phone number. Just send them a little short text. You ain't got to be long. Just let the Lord place something in your heart to reach out to them while they're in the pig pen. But he says here, the boy came to his senses because he remembered how things was at his daddy's house. He says that when he finally came to his senses, verse 17, he realized and actualized that, hey, man, my daddy's house it's better than this pig pen. And if I can put my pride to the side, maybe I can go back home. He says, at home, somebody say at home. Even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will, somebody say I will. I will go home to my father's house and say, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me as your hired servant. In other words, I'll come back as a slave and be able to eat every day than to live over there with the pigs. So he made up his mind, change of will, repented, turned back to his father, and on his way home, while he was still away off, the Bible says his father came and ran to him. You can imagine this boy coming down the road, and you know how you would look if you done got out of a pig pen. You, not only how you look, but how you and, and the Bible says his father ran to him. There's two thoughts there. One is because I know there are some self-righteous folks out there who got rocks in their hand. And they know what he did to me when he left and took all my money and went and wasted. And they just ready to throw a rock at him. But I want to make sure that I get out there in front of them so they, they know I have accepted him back. So they bet not because I'm going to be coming for him as he's coming back home because there's some self-righteous people in this church that will throw a stone, but Jesus needs to get in front of that person so that you can drop your rock. And so when he was coming back, his daddy went there, got in front of him, and brought him back. Nobody said a thing that the daddy said, look here, we're going to throw a feast because every time someone gets saved, there's got to be some restoration going on when you don't walk away from the Lord. So he want to restore him back to his rightful place because lost just meant he was out of but you had a place in this house you had a place in this family and guess what you was not a slave when you left here so why would you be a slave when you come back the value that you had when you left is still with you you just didn't realize it because you was in the so therefore the daddy said go get the best robe in other words go get my robe and put it on so that people will know and understand that when they see him, they look at me because he is created in my image. He represents me. And then so that you don't get no mistake about his authority, go bring my ring and put it on his finger to let everybody know that I've accepted him back. And Robin, he barefooted. And I know people look down on barefooted folk back then because normally the slaves were Barefooted. All you got to do is just look at roots and some of the other stuff, you know. You know, people kept slaves. 
So I said, go get some shoes. Put on his feet. Why? Because he's a son, not a slave. And see, when you know your value, you know people's value, you would treat them like the father treated his son who ran off with all his money. But he came back and the father accepted him. Just like some of us, some people in the church now have walked away from God. They were in the kingdom. They walked away. But when they come back, God is going to receive them because they're still his children. They're just going through that momentary period of rebellion and disobedience. And so after that, he throw the big celebration. Have a good time. But big brother, big brother, big brother, who should have been celebrating too because his brother who was lost, now found. But big brother had a problem with him coming back to his rightful. I don't mind you bringing him back into church, Robin. But when they come back here, they can't come back here in the place that they were in. They, they can't come back to their rightful place. You got to put them somewhere else. I, I can live with you making them a, 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 a usher on the door when they used to minister in the pulpit. I can deal with that. But I got a problem if you're going to let them get back up in the And what I'm trying to tell you, God is saying, the problem is yours, not his. Because God is able to restore that which was lost and bring them back to their own. When they repent and turn back to him, God won't do that. So don't let that older brother syndrome jump on you. The older brother threw up in his face. He took all your money, went out there and lived with the harlots. And now you done brought him back and you throwing him up. And the father said, boy, everything I have is yours. But you know there are some people, I'm through preaching, but can I just give y'all this practical down? See, there are some church folk who wanted to wild out, but they didn't. You know, they, they just stayed in church, they did the right thing, they stayed in, stayed in, and then when somebody who was wilding out out there came in, now they jealous. Because they feel like, I sure wish I could have when I didn't experience life in a whole different way. No, fool, you was in the kingdom eating good every day. Why do you want to go to the hog pen to learn this lesson? Man, don't. If the Lord done bless you to be able to live a life without wilding out, don't think you missed something. You ain't missed nothing by. Wilding out is not all that's cranked up to. But if your brother or your sister come in after they're wilding out, don't be mad at them because now you're just jealous. And if you're that jealous and you want to wild out, you should have went on wild a little bit too then. So you can get, your, get the wild out of you so you can accept somebody else in the kingdom. But if you're holy enough and you've lived right enough and you didn't go through the wild night experience, don't look down on yourself, man. It's okay. Can I say this before I close because I'm through preaching? It's okay to be a virgin when you get married, whether you're man or woman. It ain't no dishonor. I'm through. I ain't going to go no further right there because I'll be another 15 minutes on that one. All heads bow. 
All right. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. 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 We just want to make several appeals because no matter where you find yourself in life, you're still valuable to the Lord. And so that first appeal, if you're truly lost and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, even though you're living in sin, you're still valuable to God. We all live there. We all came from there. And so now this is your opportunity just to come back to your rightful place. If that is you and you're saying, yes, Pastor, I want to come and give my life to the Lord. I want to recommit myself and I just want to accept him as my personal Lord and Savior. And that's what you want to do. You can either raise your hand here now or you can give us a, a call at our number here at the church. Or you can send us an instant message to let us know that the Lord has moved on your heart today and you want to make a commitment to him. Again, you are already valuable because of who created you. Now you're just being restored to your rightful place. That's you. Please, please, please. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't live below your privileges because you just don't know. Know that there are people out there that will love you and accept you and associate with you, even where you are, because they want to see you back to the place that God created for you. So please give us a call here. Raise your hand. My second appeal 